the second part of this week's episode of the It's Canon Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by the one, the only, the magnificent, the something, the Phil. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, I am doing great. I, I see you like my choice in music. That's that's oh. really what I strive for. Yep. You got me. You got me again. Just keep a tally here, buddy. It'll come back and get you at some point. You know, people can't see her right now, but uh, I know we're keeping score. So Thanks. I hope everybody out there is doing well. <laughs> all Considering right. the heat and the all the world the way it is, as we discussed. Yeah, it's 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 a hot one. It's a hot one for sure. It's hotter than it was on Sunday when we recorded part one. And for those listeners, yes, this is actually Tuesday when we're recording part two because of technical issues. We had to uh, postpone the recording. Not that anyone cares, but here we are, finally able to talk digital versus physical. We're going to be talking about all things digital and physical. Uh, we're going to be talking about comic books. We're going to be talking about movies. We're going to be talking about books, music, etc., etc., etc. There's so much to talk about when it, as it pertains to this subject. And uh, yeah, I figured you know it's come up in past episodes. We've kind of talked a little bit about you know DRM and digital rights management. We've kind of talked about the pricing. We've talked about a little bit about the quality. But we're going to get into a little more details. Uh, today, uh, we are going to, you know, just have a good conversation, digital versus physical, especially in this ever-changing world, this, you know, COVID-19 world and the post-COVID world. Um, you know, I don't personally like bringing it up every single episode, but it's the reality that we're living with right now. And, you know, a lot of industries are going to be changing. Um, a lot of industries are changing and some will be changing forever so you know we kind of like just like picking these subjects at random as we think that they're going to be super important to talk about yeah i think um just just to add on to that thought with the covid stuff and all that already the world was going digital all right so this isn't really a covid central or anything specification the only you know footnote here is that i think it's advanced the push for digital media and whatnot. And it's just enhanced that push for companies because now they might not have the physical means to, to produce product or, or whatever, as we're seeing in movies and things like that. So obviously it's become a new viable option. And exactly. I also think that a lot of audience are now embracing the digital stuff for the first time in a full-time commitment capacity maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, here's a perfect example of it. Last week, I was talking to my older brother, and he was talking about, you know, renting movies and going to theaters, because just, you know, after the conversation that you and I had about the Dank and Moist theaters, you know, I think anyone who listened to the show, I got some pretty good feedback, and one of the, some of the feedback was actually from my own brother, and he basically said, hey, I'm not going to a theater anytime soon. Um, especially, you know, taking his, his, his kids, um, you know, it's, he's just wants yeah. to play it safe. So last week he actually rented via the Cineplex site, 
um, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie to watch with his younger one. And, you know, they were able to enjoy the movie as a family, um, watch a movie that, you know, te- is available, but, you know, it just they just rented it via uh, the, the Cineplex site. And, uh, yeah, so I think he's kind of on the boat now of he's going to try to upgrade whatever home theater he has and... Uh, I think this is going to be a more regular occurrence for him, you know, and here's the thing is, and I know we talked about this last week when we talked about uh, the whole theater and movie going experience. This isn't forever. I'm not always going to be avoiding theaters. Eventually, you know, I will go back at some point, but right now we're still in the middle of the pandemic. It's just a dumb idea in my opinion. Um, And you just, don't really know so i'm just gonna play it safe as i know a lot of other people will so yeah yeah i'm I'm not gonna go to the theater and you know don on the ppe like the 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 full freaking suit you know because i don't want to be trying to slurp down a pop with a face shield on or something like that or maybe have to break for a can and you know the can in the middle of the movie and you know trip over some people and then catch the covids i don't know i it just doesn't sound like like i say it's not something that i'm excited to do I don't think anyone wants to catch the COVIDs at any point, um, you know, and, and what a story that would be. Hey, how did you get COVID? Oh, I went to the movie theater. Anyways, so doing my research for this episode, yeah. I found some really interesting things. You know, I think as I listed off at the top of the show, video games, movies, books, music, comics, etc., etc., every of those industries has different numbers for how the digital market is taking over to the physical market. And in one particular market, the digital market is actually doing a lot slower. And it's one that I'm a little shocked on. So video games, movies, books, music, comics, etc. Which of those above markets, industries, do you think physical is maintaining a healthy lead over digital video games oh that's absolutely horribly wrong well okay i I just always uh, personally i guess maybe it's my skepticism but i i don't always think that sony and xbox and developers are always upfront about digital downloads because it's really difficult to get a handle on the physical sales like we base most of our sales figures out of the UK because North America are notoriously crappy at reporting this. Yeah. So that's our that's a huge outlier. That's what all that I know about video game sales. So I just thought that the quantification of that. So something's got to outstrip that. Yep. Books. No. Books. No. No. Nope. Oh wow. It can't be music. Nope. Movies. Nope. Comics. Yep. Comics. That doesn't surprise me. That surprises me. Fair enough. That that honestly does surprise me. Basically, I... yeah, we're seeing digital is coming. You know, they they are increasing in their overall profits uh, year over year. But when you um, do the comparison, physical versus digital, physical is still kicking comics ass. Um, and then that's to me that was a very interesting fact. Now, 
you know, at, when we talk about digital versus physical, we are actually talking about getting a digital copy of your video game, of your movie, of your book, of your music, of your comic, etc. We're not necessarily talking about e-commerce. E-commerce is a whole separate um, thing, and that is overall just absolutely taking over. In fact, in by mm -hmm. 2024, uh, e-commerce is actually going to overtake physical retail. So, you know, Amazon, Walmart.ca, and, you know, going online, doing your shopping, that's going to be more prevalent and relevant by 2024 than it is today. Um, but when we're actually talking about digital and physical in this episode, we're talking about actually getting that digital video game, that digital book, that digital comic, as opposed to the physical medium. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, with, with comics, makes sense to me because I think that there's a real tradition around going to the comic shop. And I think that's good for the comic shops. Yep. Like, honestly, I don't really want to see that trend change. I know that I've led on in the past that I read digital comics, but that's mostly because I feel that a lot of the comics that I'm personally pursuant of aren't as prevalent on shelf space and procurement for me in my local economy. I don't think that my comic shop is going to stock the stuff that I'm eager to read. Uh, they might stock the, the, the graphic novel when the graphic novel breaks and things like that, but issue to issue. So I'm doing digital, you know, dark crystal stuff, things like that. Yeah. As it pertains to comics, I'll give you what my experience is. Um, as a collector slash former collector, um, you know, for those those key issues, those important issues, I would always try to get a physical copy of those for my actual collection. But, you know, over time, as I lived in smaller and smaller apartments downtown Toronto, I was running out of space. You can only keep so many long boxes. You can only keep so much, so many comics out in the open, you know. So I was actually starting to do the change into... Uh, digital books as opposed to physical where physical I would only get like key issues really important comics to me like the Batman uh, type comic books um, you know Batgirl those things the ones that I really want to collect those are the ones that I always try to get the physical copy but you know as when I started this show and when I was running the comics I read website I started reading more digital I'm going to be absolutely open here that one of the reasons why is because I get uh, a lot of comics via preview from the actual publishers. They'll send me a review copy uh, and all of those are digital. So I was reading a lot of my comic books digitally to begin with. Um, and then I actually, you know, through Comixology, which is owned by Amazon, I started buying some uh, digital comic books just to, you know, keep reading, do research for the podcast and whatnot. So... You know, for me personally, I still collect in the collector's realm a physical copy. But overall, my day-to-day -day reading is digital. Like anytime I've posted on Instagram for the It's Canon podcast account, it's always a picture of my iPad with whatever it is that uh, that I'm reading. So that's how it is with me and comic books. Yeah, and you know what? The big the big uh, iPads and tablets are great for reading the comics as well. Yep. As you get older, your eyesight sometimes gets crappier. And being able to adjust 
you know, the, the size of the, of the, of the, the boxes and whatnot makes it really cool and appreciation as well, as well, because then you can, you can start to look at the artwork differently, at least for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been a big fan of this migration into digital comics for a while because then people can't criticize what I'm reading either. Not that I'm really going to go out on the bus and sit down and break out a Kylo Ren issue or something like that. But it just offers me a little more privacy. And like you say, the long boxes and all that, I've got my collection of this stuff like that. And yeah, I, I've no interest in spending all that money. Just, you know, not only do comics cost a lot. Sorry, comics, you do. Um, it's also difficult to maintain the collection it starts becoming anxiety it, right it does. when you're collecting like that you're talking about creases you're talking about mint condition you're talking corners you're talking the type of plastic bags the different qualities of plastic bags the different seals the different everything like everything becomes an issue humidity everything i and yeah it's a lot of anxiety as a as a physical collector unless you're going to really invest in maintaining the, the that archive yeah, like a you lot know, of people get their comics slabbed now, um, and that pretty much protects them from a lot of the, the elements. Um, but then, you know, you have some horrible worst-case scenarios, is like what happened with me uh, almost two years ago now, where my apartment got flooded. I live in a basement apartment, and the entire place got absolutely flooded. Every important comic book, like my, my Keeper's box, was completely destroyed. That's kind of when mm. I stopped collecting, per se. Um, so sticking with comic books, in 2018, uh, comic industry resource Comic Cron estimated digital comic book sales in North America garnered $100 million, uh, with overall sales rising approximately 4% in 2019. By comparison, comic book stores raked in about $510 million in 2018, with booksellers funneling in an additional $465 million. So wow. that's $100 million, you know, $975 million. So comic books isn't even close when you look at digital versus physical. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing with the books. I can see I can see a, a very similar argument there because when you go up to your local in, in Ontario here or Canada, you go to a Chapters or an Indigo, and it's got a lot of people in there. I don't know. You know, like the, the physical sales, the physical collections, those are dominant. And, and I think that there's a real ritual around the comic book store, and that's good. I'm, I'm supporting it, you know. You go in on your days, you got you know your schedule, you know what's coming in. They're putting the the books aside for you. You come in. There's nothing better than when the comic book guy sees you and goes, Hey, Phil, how's it going? I've got your issues right here, man. All done. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like walking into a bar and they say your name or whatever, like cheers. It, it there's that home home feel, you know, neighborhood comic book store. Uh, it's nice, it, it, and and that's their wheelhouse, and they have to keep on doing that. The minute the comic store becomes disassociative or or a little more, I guess I I don't know, like cleansed, not so neighborhoody feel. That's the that's the first step that's going to push somebody who's in a hardcore collecting mode to to kind of compromise and do what you did, you know, like just get those key issues. And then, and then all of a sudden, start. Hey, where's my iPad? Oh, where's my Android uh, tablet? Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's always mint here. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly it. Now, you know, 
when we talk about the digital versus physical, um, one thing, and, and, you know, as I dug deeper into, you know, my readings for this episode, one of the things that, and that came up to mind and I started looking into was kind of what was happening during the core months of COVID-19. So we're talking about, you know, March, April, May, you know, and, and I got some interesting numbers for video games. But right now we're talking about comic books, so let's focus on comic books. The truth of the matter is, there were no comic books those months. Yeah. Um, you know, so Diamond absolutely stopped sending uh, uh, their comics to retailers. Now, essentially, this means that, you know, issues were, were, were not canceled but delayed. They were moved out. Um, now that we were getting huge, you know, new comic book days on Wednesdays with a lot of releases uh, to try to get back to schedule. But essentially, Wednesdays for those few months, there were no new comic books or very little, I should say. Now, this is where DC comes in. And DC, you know, being owned by AT&T now, uh, you know, the whole Warner Brothers and AT&T, um, you know, I think... Over there have been a lot of rumors over the years that they've been wanting to kind of control their shipment and their supply and where it ends up and when it ends up where it's supposed to. Uh, so I think they took that opportunity to really go ahead and, you know, find a new partner. So they signed a additional distributor outside of Diamond, and they're essentially sending comics to, you know, brick and mortar stores, non-comic book shops. And there's a lot of controversy and we're going to actually dedicate a whole episode to what DC is doing and how that's going to change, um, you know, uh, you know, your new comic book day. Because you're not necessarily going to get all of your books on Wednesday anymore. So DC is oh. doing a lot of experimentation. You know, there's a lot of rumors that Marvel is doing the same, you know, Marvel being owned by Disney. Um etc 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 so you know you have these two major players who are kind of trying to change the realm um and they took the whole diamond not sending retailers anything through march april may and now they're 100 percent taking advantage of the situation dc just got ahead of the curve and they kind of are already shipping with another distributor outside of diamond but you know during those months there were no there was no um new comic book day uh, you, it's hard to, you know, and, and until now, are they starting to catch up on what was supposed to be released? You were going to say something, Phil? Yeah, you know what? It's funny because I remember mouthing off in one of the episodes that I was, oh, well, my comics are coming in digitally. And then I went on to Amazon to get my comic. And guess what? It wasn't there. Yeah. Because the physical shipments had sh had stopped. They actually ceased all the digital shipments as well. Correct. So all the dates slid. So yep. I'm just now getting back onto my train of newer issues because of that freeze. So it speaks volumes about distributorship and whatnot. And even with a company like Amazon, they they I I, I would assume that they're still using those channels to distribute their comics into the comic book stores. You know, who knows what they do for bookstores or other outlets that might sell it physically. But uh, yeah, it, it's a very interesting world when it comes to the ownership and control that uh that happens with distributing comics exactly. it's a whole underside that i hadn't really thought about much and it's a crazy one because you know as everyone knows comic books were hurting hard in the 90s so a 
a company like Diamond was able to come in and undercut uh, Marvel and DC, who were hurting big time, and they were able to get these golden exclusive deals. And they've been exclusive since the 90s. So now he, we, here we are, 2020, and we're finally seeing another game, another player in this game uh, that's partnered up with DC. And there's, like I said, there's a lot of controversy, but things are uh, changing right now. And like you said, you know, Amazon Comixology, you know, they have to essentially wait for Diamond to send stuff out. And there, there's a lot of, like, you know, uh, moving parts, and politics, and moving parts, just like any distribution channel. Um, you know, especially there, you know, going slightly off topic, you know, there was a lot of rumors about what's gonna happen with Xbox and PS5. Uh, because you know, with essentially the world shutting down, are there gonna be enough actual, enough actual parts to build these systems? So, you know, we kind of have a better sense now that there might be too many parts, uh, especially now that the price points are up. But, anyways, yeah. um, so, yeah, so comic books, you know, digital versus physical, that's kind of how it's playing right now, where the physical world is still beating the digital world. Now, let's I'm okay get... with that. Yeah, I am too. I, I think, you know what, if I was a more hardcore comic fan, I would probably be the guy that was collecting the physical copies. Yeah. Overall, like I said, I it just... Through, yeah, weird situations, I've had to change how I collect. But here we are. Now. Yeah, and I, I can understand on your side, too. I, I totally get it because I used to live in a cramped apartment. And you have to pick your battles. You have to pick your collections. Exactly. Now, video games. Whole different Ooh. story. Whole different story. Boy. Want to uh, hear some numbers? This, one, this one's going to be me. I'm you in this one. Because I like collecting the physical copy sometimes. Yep. But, like, those core games yep. killed me that you got Last of Us 2 in the physical because I was so jealous when I heard the two discs and then you're loading four times. Wasn't really evoking much jealousy on my side. But I kind of like having that shelf of games, man. I like, kind of like having the whole series of Mass Effect 1, 2, 3, Andromeda. Even right. the stinky one. All right. So, worldwide digital games market made 2020. I got the numbers. Oh, no. Are you ready to hear this? I'm curious. May was slightly down 3% from April's numbers. So, you know, as the world was opening up more, people uh, were buying slightly less video games, at least digitally. Are you ready to hear there's, the revenues? There was no big titles in May. Everything got pushed out of May. Yeah, but here's... here's oh, yeah. Gosh. Are you ready for, for the numbers? Yeah, which month? Or this is May still. So May, down okay. 3%. Took a beating because they didn't sell as much as April. For total revenue, $10.2 billion. That's... Billion with a B, everybody. Billion with Billion. a B. Down 3% yeah. from April's record-breaking total of $10.5 billion. Thank you, Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. How? It's, it's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of moolah. Each month. Think about it. Yep. Man. 
Man, oh man. And you know what? When I first bought the VR headset, the Sony one, I went in, was not expecting to buy it. I made that decision the day it came out. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to dump some hardware. I'm going to trade up. I'm going to get this headset. I'm going to buy the Batman VR experience. It was only like 30 bucks here. And I was just all amped for it. I get in there. I swipe through everything. I give them my license. I'm, I'm like signing the paperwork. And I got my VR headset, so I'm happy. And then I go, wow, throw, give me Batman. I'll pay for that too. And I'm like, dude, we're sold out of Batman. Everybody bought Batman. All right, so I go home. I purchase Batman digitally. I'm playing Batman. I'm Batman in the VR world. I'm loving it. And that was a tipping point for me because I was just like, why do I need to line up for a video game ever again? Why am I not just going to buy it digitally? And ever since then, the few titles that I have done digitally have been amazing because of preloads and things like that. So I'm a big proponent of this digital downloading stuff. I feel bad for the shops, though, seeing you know the struggles of of EB Games up here in Canada and GameStop in the States and how they've had to remarket a lot of the stuff. It's kind of painful to watch. Yeah. It's just crazy. The, just the numbers that we're dealing with with video games. And this goes back to what we've been preaching in this show about how finally video games is getting their due, like their credit. You know, they're finally being taken serious. And the reason why is look at the money that they're pouring in. Look at the money that's being brought in. It is absolutely insane. How can you not take this industry serious? Yeah, I don't. I can't imagine anyone not taking video game industry seriously at this point. It's dwarfing Hollywood. The yeah. performances they're they're scooping Hollywood's talent to basically make more effective games. I don't know what the paydays are like for actors or actresses who are doing those types of games, but it's got to be good, you know. Like it launched the guy who plays Trevor in, in Grand Theft Auto Five. It launched his acting career. Like he was already an accomplished actor. He goes and he does a video game, and now he's in freaking everything. Like, he's just, yep. like, got roles everywhere. Yeah, I was watching this thing, um, doing research for this episode about uh, motion capture, and they just so happened to be talking with Troy Baker, who's the voice of Joel in Last of Us, and they were kind of talking about the, the actual performance that they gave uh, for some of the mocap. And especially from the first move, from the first game, you know, they've they even had to call them back in to do reshoots because the director wasn't entirely happy with how one of the scenes played out. So, you know, these are full blown productions at this point now. You know, this is full yeah. full blown work for these people. Um, you know, someone like Tara Strong, who's one of the most famous uh, voice actresses out there, she pops up in almost everything. Like she's had she's had such a brilliant career doing. Uh, pr- voice acting, uh, video games, TV shows, uh, cartoons, etc., etc. You know, it's it's just unreal. And now you're getting, like, A-list stars um, actually doing video games. And, you know, that's just crazy. Like, for uh, Mass Effect 2, you had um, uh, Martin Sheen, you know? Yeah. Like, that's that's yeah, absolutely that insane. Was, that, like you previously pointed out, Mass Effect was a real launching point for a lot of stuff that way. And... Um, I think with Last of Us 2, seeing the digital, like just even the interaction and interplay between characters, that really highlights the mocap 
stuff too, you know, and how effective it was because there's not that, that weird distance between the characters. It looks like they're actually, you know, seamlessly interacting on your screen versus that kind of weird thing that happens in video games where it looks really good, but the the actual touch points are just kind of look like they're happening in outer space or whatever. There's just that little uncanny valley thing happening. Whereas this is, it's completely not there. And my, my, my call, it would be Sam Witwer of, uh, Clone Wars, he does Darth Maul, but he does a lot of stuff. Like he's just all over the place with his voice acting and everything. So it's fun watching these these the people, these performers, because they're not just voice actors; they're performers. It's a performance, you know, the same as Muppets or puppets. It's a, they're putting everything into it, and that's why the animators even animate off of the the captures of them performing the lines so yep. they can, can get the mouth all the mouth and the facial expressions down right so uh, kudos to them because this industry has got to be huge for them yeah so you know going back to digital versus physical you know what boat are you on are you on digital or physical when it comes to gaming i know we, you've you've kind of mm. talked and hinted about this but what's your preference i think my preference is digital as long as the hard drives keep on getting bigger It'll be interesting in in PS5 world or or new Xbox world, Xbox Series X or whatever they're calling it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the handicap or what the what the disadvantage will be to a spinning hard drive versus the SSD. Yeah, like is it going to be really shit load times like they're talking about, or is it going to be is it going to ruin the experience of of the video game if it's spinning off of an external hard drive? Yeah, right. That, that'll be the ultimate litmus test, I think, in the advancement of digital games uh, and and the combative nature of storage and the size of these games. Because if you look at, you know, Last of Us 2 or any recent title, you're talking 70 to 100 gigabytes, yep. you know, of space. And then on a two terabyte SSD, space starts getting short fast. It really does. It really does. And think about the people who never upgraded their hard drive there are some people who still have the 500 gig hard drive on their ps4 so space is a premium on on those systems but you know obviously the video game market is starting to think of the future because you know you have the xbox one s or whatever they call it the digital only version of the one s Mm -hmm. and then for the first time ever sony is releasing a digital only version of ps5 so clearly in the video game market you know it's they're they're getting ready because this seems to be the trend that where you know where 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 they are going. Um, well, they want it to go there because it it's a whole distribution change in production, you know, uh, effort that like gets to be skipped. So we're talking direct money in a direct pockets for either the developer, or the distributor, being a digital distributor, whatever. It, it's more money to who produces, but you know, and then you look at the the pricing tiers too, like assuming that the core specs are the same on both versions of PS five, the rumors are rampant that the PS five digital is going to be a hundred to $150 less than the disc version. Right. That that makes sense. If you think it's missing a core piece of hardware, that's pretty expensive to, to, to get. So yeah, it makes sense. 4k Blu-ray, right? It's not cheap. I don't know how Xbox are getting these drives in. Well, obviously bulk, 
bulk purchasing and someone's making a cheap one out there. But uh, Xbox One S has, and the Xbox One X has a 4K super drive in there. Sony are going to it, and Sony make their own drive, so I can only imagine that that gets even cheaper on a wholesale production value if they're still producing them. Uh, but if you go out and try to buy a standalone 4K player, it's you pretty much your option is to buy an Xbox One S or you know pony up for a really cheap LG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, th- those are pretty much the options out there. Now, for me personally, I'm a fan of digital. Again, going back to, I live in smaller apartments, downtown Toronto, spaces, premium. I prefer digital. I can pre-order the game, have it ready, have it queued up. It can download overnight. I love that. I don't have to go anywhere. I'm a fan of that. However, as it pertains to the second market and re- and, and, and trading, you're kind of shit out of luck if you're a trader. You know, or like me, I have my little nephew who I trade games back and forth with now. He's at that age mm-hmm. where, you know, he'll buy some games, I'll buy some games, and we'll trade them at some point when we're done with them. And obviously, there's exclusives that you miss out on not being the first owner of the disc. You know, especially with DLCs and, you know, Game of the Year editions and stuff like that. But you still have the opportunity to share with someone on digital with the DRM and all that. You technically don't now back in 2013 uh microsoft pissed off a lot of their customers potential customers when they really started setting the stage for having this digital only system there was a lot of rumors about xbox one and how it was going to be digital only and we've kind of talked about how sony kind of just stepped on everything xbox announced and did it better and did it properly And one of the major things that uh, Microsoft did was they were setting the stage for the digital-only world, and they were essentially setting the stage by saying things like, you don't need discs anymore. Discs are a thing of the past. Through your Xbox Live account, you can even trade games with quote-unquote family members. So people who you trust, you'll be able to trade games back and forth. But... A lot of gamers like their physical discs. So I think that as popular as digital games are going to be and are and will be, I still think that there's a very major market for physical copies of games. Yeah, but I, I think that, that that segment now, because I used to be very much firmly in the, I'm going to buy the physical copy, because yeah. then I can move the physical copy. I don't like moving the physical copy anymore. Like, if I go into a EB Games up here, when you actually ask for a breakdown of what you're getting on each game, it's horrendous. Like, it is... Unless you're going to start playing the flip game in terms of, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of games that I wouldn't normally buy, I'm going to play them until I get bored, and then while they're still on a hot deal, like within the first month or two, I can bring them back and probably get 30 bucks back on them which means that i'm getting you know a little little less than half but when you look at the majority of titles that you're trading in you're getting two three four dollars for them and then they're doing trade bonuses and they're going to say well then we give you another eight dollars because you brought in 10 games or whatever and that's how they're making up and then they're discounting the new item by a trade-in bonus that's meant to incentivize 
and thing, but the, the, the numbers on it are really dirty. And I started saying to myself, I'm not doing that anymore. If I buy a physical copy, it's because I want it on my shelf. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm either going to go to Walmart where I don't have to line up or play this politics game that exists in EB stores, or I'm going to order it off Amazon a month after it releases and get the physical copy when it's on sale for $39.99. And then I'm going to have my copy that goes on my shelf, you know, and even then with all the digital stuff, I don't even feel really compelled to do that. I think it's an idea that I held at one point and then I had this, you know, physical digital copies all over the place. I just play the digital copies. So why bother? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. For me, and it's, I'm going to say it too, though. I brought it up. The EB politics. Have you, you've played this game? Yes. You know what I'm talking about? You exactly. have to be buddy, buddy and go into the store and make friends. You know, yeah, it's crazy. With like the 23 year old kid behind a desk. Who's going to be like, uh, if, if I don't like the conversation you're having, I'm going to answer the phone yep. and I'm going to help the, the, the mom over there that, you know, is really going to occupy my time because she doesn't know what a Pokemon is. Yep. And I'm going to explain to her the history of Pokemon in two hours because exactly. I don't like your conversation style. I don't like that. Yeah. It was endearing at first, but it got really weird and cliquey. <laughs> but that's kind of the issue with geek culture in general. Well, one of the issues, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I'm going to prove to you how much I know, but in the grand scheme of things, it's poor customer service. Yeah. I, as a manager's management style, I'd be more into getting people served than ingratiating customers onto like a cult like level. Now, let me, let me also clarify this though. I appreciate that people who work at EB Games or at a comic book store know what they're talking about. Because there's nothing yeah. more infuriating than going into like a Best Buy or a Walmart or something in the electronics department of, of a store and you know more than them. And you're asking very basic questions. You know, that's infuriating to me. Oh, and when you click with them, it's fine, right? Then yeah. you've got, like, I've got my EB store. They're great. They're great. They know me. They know me enough. You know, and there, and if I tell them, no, I'm not going to pre-order, you know, for that game that I know is going to move 17 times, they're okay with it. They're like, yeah, we know you'll be back, you know, yeah, that exactly. type of thing. But I'm finding the more, the further and further out I am, the, the less and less compelled I am to go back to it. Yeah, for sure. And so that's the thing. Digital games, the trend is moving digital over physical as it pertains to video games. Movies. Bill, how do you collect, watch <laughs> your movies? I'll, I'll say this. The majority of my movies are physical, and I get a digital key in them. So I'm collecting them digitally, but I am one of the few people that probably goes out and gets a Superdrive, you know, 4K Blu-ray, and puts it on the shelf, especially for titles that are near and dear to my heart, or that are in certain series, because I never want to be at the mercy of a digital streaming service. (laughs) I just don't want to do it, man. Because like, if you go on there, Disney Plus, shortly after launching, took Infinity Wars down uh, because they sold it over to Netflix, or you know, contractually, it probably had to bring it back to Netflix for a couple months. So you couldn't even watch the full Marvel Avengers 
cinematic thing in a row on Disney Plus, he still had to go back to Netflix. Yep. So, That's crap, man. So that is one thing absolutely hurting the movies, digital versus physical. So now there's the whole digital owning. When I'm using owning with air quotes, because you never actually own something, which we're going to touch on soon. There's the physical owning, where you actually own something, and then there's streaming. All right. So in 2014, global spending on physical media like DVDs and Blu-rays reached $25.2 billion. Um, in 2018, those figures were down to $13.1 billion. Um, whereas physical media sales have fallen off, digital spending has more than made up for the gap. In 2014, digital sales amounted to $15.7 billion globally. By 2018, that figure had ballooned to $42.6 billion globally. Now, after eclipsing disc sales for the first time in 2016... Subscription streaming numbers gained even more ground last year, expanding by more than 30% to $9.5 billion. Um, subscription streaming this year beyond Netflix to include and expand. And so you have Hulu, Amazon, blah, 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 blah. So there's the streaming services, which also has a huge chunk of the pie. And they seem to have the second biggest you know, chunk of the pie moving forward. So you're going to have digital sales, streaming, then physical um, copies. Now, now that we're talking about actually owning things, let's talk about DRM quickly because I feel like this is super important, especially as it pertains to movies. You know, what is DRM? DRM stands for Digital Rights Management. You can read all about it. But here's the gist. You don't actually own anything that you quote-unquote buy digitally. You are essentially buying a lifetime license to use it as you wish within our rules. If you actually read the SLAs and the and the you know all the the contracts behind stuff, you're technically not even supposed to lend it out to anyone else. It gives you Boris Aguilar of you know BR underscore Aguilar account that permission to use it. And technically, only you are allowed to watch it. Um, so, here's here's the thing about DRM. You don't actually own it. You're leasing it for life. But whose life? The life of the yeah. actual service. The, 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 not only the service, but the right to be able to stream that service. So, there have been multiple examples where people go on iTunes... Buy a movie. A few months down the line, they log on to Apple TV or wherever they get their stuff from. They check. That title that they bought is gone. They call customer support and what happens? Oh, we lost the rights to that. Here's a couple free coupons for free rentals. Yeah. You see, not, not something that I would be happy with at all. I think I've probably had in my lifetime a couple movies disappear off of Apple, which used to be my main, just because the the not only did we have Apple as the main you know kind of provider, more most consistent when you got those disc codes, it also ended up being you know too fragmented with there there was the ultraviolet thing, and then which I thought was a movie, but it was a service, and that linked up with. Um, 
the the other service that just went out and uh, remerged with play with uh, Google Play movies. It's a little bit easier now. I still prefer Apple because you get the extras and you get the bonus content, which you know is a big downturn for for the yep. the Google stuff. But I think the Google stuff hangs on to the license a little bit better. Yep. There seems to be less documented disappearances. But uh, the Apple thing is a real pain in the ass. And that's why I like the idea that I can just pull down the disc, throw it in, and as well as an audio and video file, a, a, Apprentice, all right? I'm not going to claim to be an expert on it. I just enjoy a nice, nice crisp video. I enjoy HDR. I enjoy um, Dolby Atmos and, and all of those benefits and DTS and all these different little things that exist out in the home theater world i enjoy that stuff and the discs deliver an absolute outstanding performance because there's no bandwidth well that's exactly right look at during the covid uh vacation that everyone had services like netflix disney plus playstation video they all brought down their quality because so many people were hitting the serve their servers so yeah you weren't ever getting the full actual 4K or whatever you're paying for because Netflix actually has a 4K um, tier, but you were never actually using it during the COVID period because they brought down the quality of everything and the bandwidth just so that they can keep up with uh, demand. So as it pertains to quality, your physical media, your physical Blu-rays, whatever, what have you, are always going to win. So when it comes to movies, I'm in this on the same ba- same boat as you, Phil. I'm a fan yeah. of collecting, especially things near and dear to my heart. Say what you want about Star Wars, I'll always collect Star Wars and the million and one versions of Star Wars. <laughs> you know, all the kids. Hey, one thing, one thing that does piss me off is Star Wars. <laughs> I was talking to you about this last week, and I found out. I investigated. All right, I looked at Disney Plus, and they have a whole bunch of extras. Kudos to Disney Plus. They have a whole bunch of outtakes and extras from the Star Wars original trilogy that are absolutely worth watching, everybody. They are a joy. There's some cut scenes, some stuff that hit the floor. I've never seen them, or if I have, it's been years, all right? Maybe they're on some old, old version. I'd have to dig through collections. But I went and I checked the 4K versions, the bonus discs, and that shit ain't on there. So it's only on Disney Plus. Wow. So now we're even getting into a world, and this is why I bring this up. We're getting into a world where the streaming version, it might be the bonus content that's different or an attraction to go with that service to get the content. That's insane. Yeah. I, that- I thought that, was, that blew my mind the other night when wow. I checked it. That's, you know, and, and that, it's funny because I was on Reddit. I, you know, messaged a few people because there's a lot of conversation about digital versus physical. And I just wanted some quotes and get some opinions. And actually, that's one of the things that came out is a lot of people prefer physical because they're getting the full versions. They're getting the extras. They're getting this. They're getting that. Um, some people are so particular that they don't even like the skip intro button showing up on a mm-hmm. streaming service. So these people will always go out and buy the physical version. Um, now it's going to be interesting to kind of see if Disney releases the Mandalorian um, season one physically 
whether they release the last season of Clone Wars physically. And like you said, now we're seeing exclusive specials and exclusive extras on content. Yeah, it's it's they're they're cultivating a real digital wheelhouse. Yeah. Which is alarming because I thought their fallback plan was going to be exactly that. Let's issue a Blu-ray of The Mandalorian. But now, you know, with Disney Gallery and everything like that, they are cultivating a reason to keep the service while it's getting on its feet, keep the service for longer than the length of the show. Because now you're going to watch the making of the show every week. And now you're going to watch this every week. Now you're going to watch that. They're going to keep on luring you into content until they have a sustainable train of content that they can kite out over the year. And then I think the next move is release the DVDs. Right. You know, make the Blu-ray. And now we're, you know, triple vaulting that shit for them. (laughs) Now, here's a question for you. You probably had... Star Wars on VHS. You probably yep. had Star Wars on DVD. You probably yep. have Star Wars on Blu-ray. And you might even own Star Wars on HD or Laserdisc or VCD or something that doesn't exist anymore. Does, I know people who had the Laserdisc. I know people who did very too. Very envious. Yeah. Even though like each Laserdisc could only have like what half an hour of video or something yeah. like that. Yeah, to flip the shit yeah. in the middle of the movie. It was crazy. Yeah. Four discs for a movie. Yeah. So my question to you, Phil, is does the ever-changing medium, as in Blu-ray, DVD, VHS, etc., whatever is going to come, does that hurt you staying in the physical world in the sense of that's what you're going to purchase? Or are you always going to rebuy those precious gems and whatever is the current um, physical medium that's out there uh for something like star wars yeah it it makes i'll keep on buying it um i hate to say it i don't like being that consumer driven but it is there's a special deep connection and i also still have the dvd versions with the old original cuts on the separate dvd uh in that case i got i got that series so i have original cuts of the film um so hand shot first you know that type of thing yeah then i have the reshoots from the 90s on dvd then i have everything redone on blu-ray then i have the 4k blu-rays with the special george lucas versions that disney didn't even know they were publishing yeah um you know i i I collected all that and i'll continue to do that now flip that over and let's just say marvel okay i have all of the first three phases of marvel on blu-ray some on 4k maybe you know, Black Panther, Spider-Man, that type of stuff. So I have those in a mixed bag. I'm not going to rebuy those. I'll completely watch those on Disney Plus or if I'll just put in my regular version. The other thing is a lot with a lot of this stuff, and this is pro-consumer here, like in terms of not consuming it, re-consuming the, the products, unless they're going to make a big box that make, is really affordable for me to collect and then get rid of the old version somehow, a lot of the stuff that I, I do have a dedicated Blu-ray 4K player, it upscales content. Now, I know that it, it doesn't really get into to HDR, but I'm just telling you, sound is still sound. So the sound coming through the sound channels and whatnot is uncompressed in, in most cases. Depends on how the disc was encoded and whatnot. It, it, that's a deep, deep well. Um, but you're going to get better sound, and the picture is going to be damn good. 
even yeah. on a 4K TV. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. I wouldn't do it. I, I would only do the things that are that I love. Near and dear, you know, the and, near and dear ones. And that would be Star Wars. And I, I wouldn't even do it for like Clone Wars. Clone Wars is mixed DVD Blu-ray for me. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Star Wars, Kevin Smith movies, those are the ones that I try to keep up with. Mind you, a movie like Dogma we'll probably never see out in physical again. That that one, I, I know that he's doing a Blu-ray re-release of Mallrats, I yes. believe, this year. Yeah. So that's something that, that might catch my money. Um, you know, it is difficult for him because I don't even think Jay and Silent Bob reboot is on physical media. I think it's only digital purchases and digital streaming. I think you can buy the physical version on the View Ask You Smodcast website. Ooh, wow. Okay, that might have to be. But a, they sometimes a release like the special edition because Kevin Smith, being Kevin Smith, you can say what you want about him. But that man loves his fans. So yep. more often than not, he will sign a book, like God knows how many versions of his movies and then send those out when you buy them. Um, so that's tech. He, Go ahead. He, here's a funny story. When I was getting married, I'm now divorced. When I was getting married, I went to moviepoopshoot.com. All right. I kid you not. I went to moviepoopshoot.com. Which I knew Kevin was running that site because I went, I saw, you know, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. And uh, I was just like, holy shit, I got to go to moviepoopshoot.com. And I ordered two sets of action figures signed by Jason and uh, and Kevin of Blunt Man and Chronic. <laughs> and I gave one to my best man. Amazing. You know who <laughs> ran that website for Kevin? Who? Brian Quinn of uh, Impractical Jokers. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he oh, is actually very good friends with the View Ask You people. Um, he does the podcast with uh, with uh, Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson. Um, uh, tell him Steve Dave. So he's very much in the Kevin Smith world. And actually, Brian Quinn was supposed to be in Comic Book Man, but he was signed to do Impractical Joker, so he couldn't do both. So that's when they brought oh. in Ming instead. But yeah. Just some random, random Kevin Smith facts and Kevin Smithisms. Anyways, so going back to what we were talking about, physical versus digital, there there are you know similar to how I collect comic books, that's how I collect movies. You know, I have the things that are near and dear to me that I will always buy, and whatever latest version of technology is available, I'll always buy those if they're available. But I'm a fan of the streaming. I'm a fan of the digital. Um, you know, I- I'm not the biggest. Um, you know, I, the quality of things doesn't bother me so much. Like you're, yeah, you know, like if it doesn't look perfect 4K, I'm not gonna blow a gasket. Is what I'm trying to say. So that's why I'm okay with streaming and 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 whatnot and. And that's pretty much how I consume. Like, I've spent so much money on physical movies uh, in my early 20s. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, you just lose track of, of, of how much you're spending. Um, so Yeah, and as well, there's something to be said, too. And this will always, this rule will always exist. It's great to just fire up Netflix or Amazon Prime 
or whatever your streaming service is, find a movie and watch it. Like last night I watched The Big Short. Always wanted to see it. Great cast, great movie. Great movie. I, there was a lot there's a lot of stuff that I really wanted to see because I used to work in trading floor industry in support. And I just wanted to see how accurate the traders were to that time frame. Yeah. It was amazing to watch. But I don't need that movie on my shelf. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just want to stream it. That's what Netflix pays for itself. If you watch two to three movies a month. Yep. You know? Especially movies, like, eh. especially movies that you would never watch otherwise. Like your example there. Um, you know, a movie like uh, that Eurovision movie that's super popular right now with Will Ferrell and um, what's her face from The Notebook. Whatever. That Eurovision movie <laughs> that's on Netflix right now. Who would spend money to watch that? But they will spend their time to watch it because they already have the service where it's available so you know it's kind of like a win-win for for some movies in that sense hey you know what it is it comes down to this netflix really is the new blockbuster because we used to all get off work on friday go to blockbuster video or whatever the local video store was spend 20 minutes looking around Arguing with the girlfriend or the wife or the significant other about which movie it was that you guys wanted to see that night. Was it going to be an action movie? Was it going to be a drama? Was it going to be a romance? Whatever it was. And then you're going to plunk down your five bucks and watch it, rewind it, and return it on Sunday. Right? Now Netflix really is that hole. Like, it really is that absence. It's just like, hey, guess what? You don't know what you're going to watch tonight. Now you can have the argument in your living room. (laughs) <laughs> you can determine maybe you can watch two maybe you can watch three yep here's a fun fact about blockbuster and netflix this is why i love like just never forgetting about stuff um back in 2000 blockbuster ceo whomever that was had the opportunity to buy netflix for 50 oh. million dollars and he said no oh, that's a lot of money <laughs> yep hindsight is twenty twenty. Right there. Little man. Could you imagine? That guy must be kicking himself to this day. Just yeah. like, oh, man. Because Blockbuster, there's there was an amazing time lapse out there that I saw, I think, on Twitter, where it showed the rise and fall of Blockbuster video across America and yeah. Canada and about how much dominance they had. And then when Netflix started streaming, because originally Netflix was just mailing you movies, right? They were just you know trying to take away the brick and mortar uh, of, of uh, Blockbuster video. And you think about the space that those businesses occupied to display all of those copies, right? Like, it's just an amazing model and business. Yeah. And then it just all just evaporates, like, literally in the space of, like, five years. It's just gone. Yeah. Just no more blockbuster. Literally to zero existence. You know, it's very rare that you get a company like that. Like, say what you want about BlackBerry. BlackBerry's still there. They're you, they're just in the enterprise security realm. But Blockbuster just yep. does not exist whatsoever anymore. Like, it's a non-entity at this point. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and you know, like you said, like yeah, Netflix had they 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 had the machines and the mail-in um, movies. So it's like yeah, obviously the Blockbuster CEO just didn't see what was in front of him. And really, like, the whole streaming thing didn't come until later on in the 2000s. So it was, you know, I'm kind of happy the way... There is, you know, Phil, there is a universe in our multiverse. Yeah. Where... Where we're still going on Friday nights. Yep. Yep. 
into the oh, man. blockbuster it's Netflix really, or whatever. It's really good on um on companies like 20th Century Fox as well to just raise the hand and go, we don't know what the heck's going on in the industry and sell out to Disney. I know a lot of people are upset about that, but they are self-admittedly were like, we can't keep up with this shit. We don't know. Like the industry is moving faster than we are and we know we're doomed. Yep. You know, so they, they took that sale and they were like, man, oh man, they are lucky they got in that bidding war with Comcast. Yep. So here's a little bit of feedback I got. Physical versus digital. I like to have physical discs because they look nice on a shelf, allowing me to have cool cover artwork, and it gives me more of the feeling that I own the movies. With digital, you never really own anything. You just pay to have the rights to stream the film. The service goes down, no movies. Service ever shuts yep. down, no movies. No internet, no movies. I know there are exceptions to this, but it's similar in principle. Quality, image quality is superior to physical media, no matter how people spin it. Same goes for audio. So it's, you know, hey, I, as I think well, a lot of- let me, I want to point something out. Here's something that's going to get into your gears here, and I'm sure you've thought about it. But let's just hypothetically say you're streaming a movie, all right? And there happens to be a very attractive person on the screen, and you may rewind it a couple times. Or you, maybe there's an interesting bit on screen that you're geeking out over that you really want to just dive into. So you start doing rewinds, rewatches, um, things like that. They get all that, all those data metrics. Netflix does. Yep. They're building a profile based off of maybe it knows that you're looking at Jennifer Connelly on Snowpiercer Boris. Oh, it knows. Maybe it's aware. Oh, it's yeah. aware. So I'm just saying, like, like there's that big creepy algorithm that we talk about a lot that's watching what you watch whereas when you put that disc in you can do whatever you want with it you can be on the internet you cannot be on the internet it doesn't know what you're doing i'm sure there's an argument that it does but i'm just saying there's a business model behind the business model it isn't just everybody planking down their 12 or 15 bucks each month for netflix there's analytics 12 dollars a month the uh, the most expensive the um tier in on netflix canada is 17 dollars for four screens that's what i pay 4k yada 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 17 dollars for unlimited viewing there's a catch to all of this there's always a catch to things like this you know any website where you can upload um h- however many gigabytes of your images that you want there's always a catch to these services you know and yes you are paying for netflix but like you said there's more going on behind the scenes there are trackers there are um things like that and they are selling this to the higher the highest bidders which probably are a bunch of suits in movie studios who are planning to make a movie or seeing the trends, or you know what have you. So yeah. there's there's always more to it than than what more than meets the eyes, you know. Yeah, it's just something to be aware of. I have yeah. no evidence to support it. It was just a random thought when I was thinking about recording this episode that really kind of turned me off a little bit about the digital streaming platforms. In addition to those other things, if your internet's down, 
that type of thing, you're, you're really screwed on that too, which is why I like physical media. But it is, you know, a worry that I have in the back of my mind that how that data analytic is used. Because already, you know, you can just, if you have multiple profiles on your, on your Netflix, you can see another person in your household that's on your Netflix has a completely different view of what's new, what's relevant, what to watch next. You know, I give my 82 year old father access to Netflix and man, his Netflix looks way different than mine. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that. My dad's too. Like number one, he, he has everything in Spanish. So that adds a level right there. Boom. You're going to get more Spanish movies, more Spanish soap operas, telenovelas and things like that. Um, as, as part of your recommended watching. So, you know, there, there is a lot going on in the algorithm in the background. I have a question for you, Phil. Sure. The last, what was the last thing that you bought digitally? Last thing I bought would have to be last of us two. That was digital. Much, that was my much, last digital purchase. How much did that cost you? Oh, it was the deluxe version, so we're talking like 90 bucks. All right. Well, if you were to buy the physical version of the exact same thing, it was the exact same price. And that's something that always comes up when we're talking about digital versus physical. And it's a pricing. And people always, myself included, say, if I'm buying something digitally, why am I spending the same amount of money than buying something physically. Shouldn't digital be cheaper than physical? You would think so, right, Phil? It stands to reason. I know the only bonus that I get off of buying digitally is that there's no tax. Yes. Yes. So I save 13% right there as a Canadian. On PlayStation. On PlayStation. Switch, you still have to pay tax. On PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah, and I think on, on, on Xbox, you have to pay the tax. Yeah. So, so pricing. That's a difference, but it's tight. Yeah. So digital costs are the same as physical. Now, here's a fun one. There was an interview with someone from Ubisoft. Don't laugh. Someone from Ubisoft. <laughs> and they were talking about this very subject. I, I love how you are like laughing right now. And trust me, there's a there's a there's a reason yeah. for this. Go ahead. Yep. Say what you want to say. No, 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 no. I, you know what? They're a Canadian company. They're, they have Canadian branches, so I'm, I'm not surprised that somebody's talking in there. All right. I don't even know if it's Canadian League, but yep. that, that company has a lot of piss-off games and a lot of great stuff, too. So <laughs> kudos so to Ubisoft, that on both sides. Someone from Ubisoft said, digital versus physical, and they essentially said, well, the distributors say that their brick-and-mortar partners want the digital price the same so that it doesn't lessen or cheapen the street value of the physical copy so essentially what what we're saying here is that if you had the last of us 2 for digital and that cost you 79.99 the physical will also cost you 79.99 in an ideal world the digital would cost you, you know, $59.99, $49.99. That will actually cheapen the street market of anyone going to buy the physical copy. Now, 
take into consideration this. And this is, as I was reading and doing my research, I was thinking about this. But it costs more to get something done physical. You have to think about the actual physical disc. You have to think of the box, the artwork, um, the get, you know, getting the paper printer, getting stuff on the printer, putting it all together. Doesn't that cost money? Yes. And do you know who actually pays for that, Phil? Who? The stores, the brick and mortar stores actually pay the extra that it costs for something to be physical. So because they are putting the extra cost into just selling stuff, and you also have to take into consideration they have to buy in bulk, they have to buy displays, they just can't buy one or two copies. They, you know, Typically these things come in packages, they have to buy extras, they have to buy this, they have to buy that. When we talk about comic books, you know, they have the variant covers and you have to like, there's the one for every 10, one for every 25 that you buy. There's a lot yep. of things in, that have to go into consideration for brick and mortar stores. So they're the ones who are actually saying the digital copies will be the same price as the physical copies that we're selling. And the funniest part about all of that is you have companies like Ubisoft and, you know, whomever saying, oh, well, yeah, sure, of course. Because for them, at the end of the day, they're essentially making a lot of extra money because they're never actually paying for the extras to make it into a physical copy so that is why a digital copy of something costs the same as a physical copy of the same thing and that is because the brick and mortar stores the eb games the the um barnes and noble the chapters the walmarts the best buys what have you they're the GameStop. ones yeah they're the ones who want those prices to be equal so it doesn't cheapen their overall product it's price fixing. Yeah. The, the thing is, I'm sorry, it's monopolistic 100%. behavior or it's it's affecting distribution channels, right? But there is a lawsuit over this with ebooks because the same the same attitude prevailed in ebooks. And then there was some kerfuffle in the in the in the courts. And then it turned out that ebooks are actually because they're cheaper to produce and distribute are actually allowed to be sold for cheaper. So that's when I really went into ebooks. Just on our segue, I don't know if it's where we want to go, but that's where I went into ebooks because ebooks became a lot cheaper to buy. Now on the video game side, I'll put in this one little last kick at the can. I do like digital sales because they have digital fire sales. All right. So I love it when I go into EB and I'm hemming and hawing over a game or whatever, and I'm thinking, oh man, I don't know if I want to spend the money on this. Do they have a used copy, blah, 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 blah. And then you come home, you go on, and there's a digital flash sale, and that game's on for like $29. Yeah. It's like, yes, thank you. That's where they get them a little bit. But I have, you know, and people, I'm we're coming out a little anti-corporate or whatever on some of these entities. If that's what you love to do, then go do it. Um, I also strongly encourage you to go and support local. If you have local stores that are independently owned, by good, by God, just go and give them some money and keep them afloat, especially during this time. We have one in Newmarket called Microplay Newmarket. Love the place. Friendly. They don't do that cliquey stuff. Really great people and whatnot. And sometimes I go and I buy video games. I think I bought Animal Crossing there because I just wanted to support them. Yeah. I just wanted to not give my money to an, another digital entity to get the game, even though it was more convenient. I just was really... And I still feel this way about certain titles or certain games. 
just really want them to get the business. Yeah. But and that's with the, the books, man, oh, man, my digital books. Ooh. Yep. So I can see an okay. antitrust lawsuit coming in the next 10 or so years with video games and whatnot because it is price fixing that's going on. And it's something that, I, you know, I've always wanted to know exactly why in reading this interview. And it's hilarious that they actually admitted to this, but sure, why not? Now, also, as it pertains to pricing, you know, within a year, if you log on, you know, a game that came out last year or the year before, something like, you know, Battlefront 2, if you go to a brick, a brick and mortar store, that version of Battlefront 2 has decreased in price minimally, minimally. However, if you go for the digital version, you can get that digital version for 5, 10, 15 bucks max now. So over time, digital, you know, the, the, the prices do come down quickly. Um, but as yep. they are the hot new product, the brick and mortar stores essentially don't want to cheapen their pro their 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 um, their stash. So we will never, at least in the foreseeable future, have a world where digital is cheaper than physical. At least with video games, but at, least with video at games. the same time, keep an eye on stuff because when when sales flag, when sales start to go to shit. You'll see on the the digital front that they they reduce quicker. You'll see them drop to fifty nine ninety nine from seventy nine here in Canada after a month or two if the title's struggling. And you'll also see holiday sales. Just keep your head on your shoulders whenever you're in the mode to do a planned purchase. Just be sure to get through to the Friday of that week because usually on the Friday is when the flash sale starts, and it goes through until the Tuesday or the next Friday. That type of thing, you'd be amazed. I wish that there was more heads up as to what's on sale, but you know, it's just to undercut those stores. Yep, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's just crazy. It's yeah, just crazy. it's not really, it's not really a good feeling as a customer. It really isn't. That's the reason. Now, like you just said, something very interesting. It's not a good feeling as a customer. Now. If you are someone who gets a cut of the pie, let's talk mm. comic books. Let's talk the black box that is digital sales and percentages and whatnot. The creators are only now starting to see how much digital sales are going into each book. And I found this really awesome breakdown from a good friend of the show... Jim Zub, who lives in Toronto, been on our show a few times in the past and previous iterations, and we talk, and you know, he talks on a blog post about how the pie is divvied up. So, let's, let's do this. On a basic comic book that costs $3 for simplicity's sake, 30% goes to the mobile platform, so Apple or Google. That's the standard fee. And even that fee is right now being fought by a lot of people. And I believe there's even going to be a court case soon or coming up, or there is one against Apple and this fee. Now, man, that's a lot. Yep. 30%. Jeez. Yep. Now, 35%, or more specifically, 50% of what's left after Apple or Google takes their share goes to Comixology. Comixology essentially distributes 
all of the digital comic books. Um, and I'm not Ooh. talking about DC, um, you know, the DC app or Marvel Unlimited, that where the, you, you know, it's essentially like a streaming service of comic books. We're talking about a purchase from Amazon's Comixology. So that leaves us with $1.05. And this is split between advertising, publisher, and creative team. And each publisher has their own digital rates, and it varies quite a bit from, you know, from everything that's been reported. In some, in some cases, publishers don't offer any percentages of digital sales to the creative team on a creator-owned title. Other than that unfortunate scenario, some publishers are making the same amount they would on a print copy, 11 to 12 percent, while on the other, while on the higher end of the amount is split evenly between the two. With such a large range, it's hard to nail down exact figures, but it does give you a sense of how things tend to work. So a buck five uh. is left for the people who actually do the work, and I'm and, and I'm even including you know the image. The, of the worlds, the IDW of the worlds, whatever your publisher is, a buck five goes to the entire creative team and your publisher. All I can say, ladies and gentlemen, is be sure to go down to your local comic book store and buy some locally produced comics, right? Some stuff that's independently made because those people, I, all the other creatives on the other side too, but man, that's that's a hell of a racket. Yeah, buy direct. A hell of a racket. Buy direct from your favorite comic book creators. Everyone has our website. Buy, you know, buy original art. Buy prints. Donate to their um, that Patreons and whatnot. You know, at the it end really of the day, changes like the whole con, everything. Now I understand when I go to a comic book convention, what I'm seeing. Yeah, you know. Yep. It's, I get people selling prints. I get people selling art a lot more now. Yeah. But you even know? then there's a huge controversy with prints and whatnot. And that's, you know, your non-affiliated comic book artists being shut down by Marvel and DC because they have their own characters on these prints. So in some major comic book conventions like New York, Toronto Fan Expo, San Diego Comic-Con, etc., DC and Marvel will have reps walking up and down Artist Alley and pulling the plug on certain artists. Yeah. And it makes sense. Even though it makes even sense. Even though they drew it. It makes sense. But there's a right? copyright on that character, yeah. yeah. That's the that's the issue. And you know, it might be a weird representation or they might be nervous of how it's going to be represented in somebody's art and you are making a profit from it. But, you know, do what you can and support your local creatives, please. You know, this is eye-opening for sure. Um, so hopefully you can do that. Like I said, everyone has a Patreon. Everyone has a store. Reach out to them. Visit them at your comic book stores, at your comic conventions, and whatnot. Amen. So, yeah. So how, how's that? How's that? How's, how's that for, I, for the world that is comic books? I knew comic books was a tight game. Like, honestly, there can't be a lot of margins or anything in there. But hearing that breakdown, especially with the digital comics, man, pew, I don't know. I, I'm in the corporate comic world right now a lot. A lot. I still Same. support my friend Steve Gilbert on his independent comic and, and comics and ideas. Um, 
it's kind of fun when you see your high school teachers and stuff in comics. Yeah. But when it comes to the, you know, the canon stuff that I read for Star Wars, I'm not as concerned because I'm pretty sure that there's probably some pretty hefty contracts on the backside for the IPs that are being paid out to the artists because for them to take the job, it has to pay. But for everyone else that's trying to get into these channels, that's just suckage. Yep. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Now, one thing that we haven't talked about through all of this, we've given our opinions, we've given some numbers, we've given some stats, we've given some industry inside info. There's the whole convenience factor, Phil. There's something to be said about the convenience of digital as opposed to physical pre-COVID world. And now in this world that we live in now, this brave new world, you know, there's a lot more to be said about the convenience factor. And again, I'm not talking about e-commerce where you go on to Best Buy's website, make a reservation, go to Best Buy, wait outside and pick up your copy of the physical game. I'm actually talking about the digital version of whatever it is you're buying. There's that convenience factor that outweighs, in my opinion, a lot of, especially today, having to go to a mall where people may or may not be wearing masks, where the store may or may not be clean, where someone may or may not have COVID-19, you know, that was there or will be there or whatever. So there's a lot of things to take into consideration actually going into a store right now. So, you know, as we talk about convenience, there's something to be said about just the overall convenience of being able to, on your PlayStation or Xbox, buying a movie, buying a game, buying whatever, TV shows, whatever, you want comics comic and it's all there it's all waiting for you and you can probably find a better price in the grand scheme of of time there's something to be said about convenience yeah there is and it's got me like that's been the biggest allure and it's intensified during this whole pandemic stuff um is just the idea that I can just not touch something that somebody else has touched. You know, it's digital, it's mine, it's on my device. It, it's, it comes in and it waits for me to play it, whatever the situation is. That's huge. Yep. It's absolutely huge and it's a game changer going forward, right? Because I think this is something that's not just going to disappear in the next year or so. So it's going to intensify the market. You know, I'll, I'll even look at Microsoft. They decided to close down the stores. Because their online sales are yes. so good. Yep. You know, they're just like, screw it. We're done. We're pulling the plug. We're not trying to compete with Apple anymore. We know we can do what we need to do on the e-com, on that, on that, you know, ship the product, get it to them, whatever, issue the license, do whatever. Yep. E-commerce side is, is, is really um, huge for Microsoft right now. And, and like you mentioned here in Canada, their Microsoft stores, they had one in score one and wherever else they had, they're all being closed down. Um, I think all over North America, 864 stores. There you go. That's They're huge. only keeping three open, like flagship stores, something crazy like New York. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, Paris, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, there's something it, it, to be said about convenience. There's something to be said about, you know, the safety, um, you know, and I, I don't want to fear monger. I'm not about that. But the reality is, is that everyone has their own situation. Everyone has their own reasons for wanting to buy whatever the way that they want. There are some people who right now and, and, for, and for the foreseeable future would rather just buy a digital version as opposed to a physical version. And to me, that but makes what about, sense. 
what about the segment? I think I think we've elevated to a point in our lives where we look at at stuff. At least for me, I look at stuff and I go, "Hey, look, I'm going to buy and pay for that video game, or pay for the video game." Obviously, uh, I'm going to buy and and pay for that digital comic or that digital ebook because I want to make sure the artist gets paid. All right, that's near and dear to me. That that the people who are you know in my ideal universe, I know the numbers may not work out that way. Yeah. But in my ideal universe, I want to sleep soundly at night and know that someone got paid for the creative content that they made. But you know what? If you wait long enough, I'm sure you can steal the crap. I'm just here to say, please don't. You know, like, honestly, digital stuff, especially in the comic book world and and the the digital books and whatnot, you know, we put the 13% savings for tax if you're in Ontario, that type of thing on the video games. Do your best to support the artists, everybody. Like, really, the content creators need the support in order to know how successful something is. They don't want to read how successfully their product was stolen. Yeah. All right? So just keep that in mind. Um, And I know everybody's got a different situation. I'm not here to judge, but I'm here to encourage that we continue to support all these creative people because they need to know in order to keep creating what it is. And they need to make a living, too. All right. The Shit's amount, tough. The amount of times. Now let's bring. Let's take that away from it. The human aspect of stuff. Let's focus on the publishers, the DC, Marvels, uh, and whomever. The video game publishers. They need to know what's popular or not. The only way they know this is by tangible results. Well, like sales. If people are downloading via BitTorrent, they're never going to know that something's popular. The amount of times that a quote-unquote popular comic book has been cancelled and there's been outrage. But when you look at the sales, they're super low because people are BitTorrenting them or sharing or whatever. It's just hilarious and sad all at once. If you want something, if there's something that you actually like, go ahead and buy it. You know, And again, we fully understand that everyone has their own situation. Uh, especially today but if there's something that you're truly passionate about you know and and really want to help someone um right now is the time to really put that foot forward and help them out and 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 buy the legit copy of something or go direct to them and buy something um yeah like it's crazy yeah or join their patreon do whatever right like do whatever you can to support them It, it doesn't take a lot it just takes a lot of people to do a little. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about a complete game changer for those content creators. Exactly. You know, whether it be personally, whatever. I, I know the corporate stuff is difficult. But, you know, on the flip side, I guess there's Twitter and all these other online petitions that go through. And, you know, maybe that can revive a product. I don't know. But, it, it happens sometimes. You know, it's a chance. It's a chance you take. More often than not, it doesn't, unfortunately. Um, yeah, not unless you're like, like gonna revive justice league or some shit young justice yeah like that well actually it's funny young justice and justice league both got revived because of fan petitions and whatnot but it's very rare that that actually happens and is successful um yeah but look at what's being debated with star wars about retconning like we talked about in the first episode retconning all the star wars that's because of this stupid justice league stuff that's because of fan outrage yeah. I'm telling you, now now so now, you know, Disney are looking at their chops because they see DC and Warner Brothers and HBO all cashing in on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to me it's crazy. The worst case scenario that we we theorized about and we feared 
it might be happening. So yeah. let's just not let it happen with the stuff that's good. Go out, support it, buy it, consume it, collect exactly. it. Now, like I mentioned earlier, we talked about various mini industries. We talked about video games. We've talked about movies. We talked about comics. Um, we touched on books a little bit and music I didn't even touch. There are much smarter people and people much more dedicated to books and and music than I. So I will let them talk about it. I did look up some of the trends. And the music industry obviously is similar to movies where digital versus streaming versus physical that's the battle going on right now and streaming is actually winning and keeping the music industry alive whatever that means and again i wonder how much yeah. the actual artist gets out of every stream or or whatever i i worry about music yeah i worry about music and that the artists aren't getting compensated and they're written into these horrid contracts but something that i made a choice for for music just briefly would be i realized that a lot of my habits have moved to online streaming yeah so a little bit concerned about that i picked up a sony digital walkman yep and i picked up um additional D cds that maybe i'd lost from my collection or lost track of in the cars in the past and i bought physical media for a lot of music that i really wanted to preserve and i preserved it digitally through my cd on a high-res audio player yep the one feel old school Yep, the one niche market in the music industry that's keeping physical sales alive is, you guessed it, albums. albums. Actual albums, records, whatever you want to call them. That's what's keeping the physical sales alive. And that is actually right now the highest selling item as it pertains to music uh, in the physical world. But overall, similar to movies, the streaming services seem to be running the show right now. And who knows, again, how artists are being compensated in the grand scheme of things. But again, I just looked at the, you know, the, the overall picture. Um, I will let much smarter people, much people who are more into that scene, do that talking. I wanted to focus on video games, movies, and comics. Yeah. Because that's I will say what we talk about. I'm a bit of a music nerd. A yep. bit of a music nerd. I don't know much about the industry, though. So I will leave that discussion for smarter people than than ourselves yeah um i will say this though when you go see your local artist or band when concerts come back on all right when when we get into the new world where we're okay to gather possibly for an event or there's social distancing involved whatever make sure to support that artist and buy some of their merch or whatever at the shows because a lot of the time that's what these artists are making money off of it's not off of being streamed on spotify it's off of merch sales at the back, right? Like getting that concert t-shirt, that really overpriced one. But I'm telling you, as a guy who's collected a lot of, of concert t-shirts and gone to a lot of shows, I'm really happy to have those shirts now. But as well, knowing it's even better knowing that it supported an artist that probably made the difference between a successful tour and an unsuccessful tour. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Just like we're going to go and buy our stuff at our local stores and, and all that kind of thing, you know, I, I definitely want the vibe coming out of this, I think. I didn't have an idea of what I wanted from this episode when we started talking Boris, but I think what I've learned over the past discussion is that we should be allotting at least a percentage of our fandom expenditure to the local uh, shops and economies and creators. I think that is a perfect way to end this discussion 
at the end of the day, we all have our own use cases and preferences. There's going to be many options and many more options that we don't know exist yet moving forward. But the market's going to ultimately choose what the consumer chooses, and there's going to be advantages to both digital and physical. And as you saw, every industry, whether it be movies, whether it be video games, whether it be comics, whether it be music, whatever it is, digital versus physical is a thing. And at the end of the day, however you consume, whatever you consume, and however you consume it is fantastic, as long as you do reserve a little bit for the creators themselves because at the end of the day unfortunately they're the ones who are losing out the most in this digital versus physical world we the consumer are getting the most out of it and the creators are getting the least so as phil said support your local artists support your local creators they're the ones who help us through these rough times you know with their music with their books, with their comics, with whatever it is that they're releasing. So that's digital versus physical here on the It's Canon podcast. Phil, do you have anything, any last words? Nope, that sums it up, man. You know, maintain, a, a promote your local shop, drop in once in a while, give them a little bit of cash, collect that physical copy. But you know what? I'm sure people have enjoyed the show. And if you want to come and find us on the internet, I want you to go to www.itscanonpodcast.com. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you can look us up at It's Canon Podcast. Email is show at itscanonpodcast.com. And subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, really anywhere you get any of these podcasts. We're on there. If you like what you hear, please, subscribe to, please uh, click the subscribe button and have yourself a wonderful week, everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Phil. As always, th everyone, thank you for listening. It really means so much to me that, you know, as uninformed as I am, I can, you know, inform myself and therefore help you understand this crazy world that we live in uh, with our geekdoms, with our fandoms. And stay tuned because here at the It's Canon Podcast, we will have many more episodes where we explore a little bit of comics, a little bit of video games, a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of toys, a little bit of music, a little bit of books. A little bit of everything. And you know what the best part of it all is, Phil? Apparently, it's all in canon. That's right. Thanks, everyone. As always, I'm Phil. He, or I'm Boris. He's Phil. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. What? Thanks, everyone. I'm Boris now. Oh, shit. Goodbye.